When you have health insurance, it's easy to forget about your out-of-pocket costs. That can be a lot of money, but are your bills even accurate? It's estimated that over 50% of medical bills contain errors. HealthLock can help. HealthLock technology securely connects with your insurance and flags any overbilling, wrong codes, and fraud. You can even have HealthLock work on your behalf to get money back from select past bills. To date, HealthLock has helped its members save over $130 million to save. Visit HealthLock.com today. That's HealthLock.com. More Than a Movie is back with Season 2. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos' picture was already up on the wall. Listen to more than a movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's, Rappaport's Reality, Reality Podcast. Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. Welcome to today's edition of the Clay Travis and Buck Sexton Show podcast. Joined now by Florida Senator Rick Scott. You just heard me talking about the $1.7 trillion bill. Uh, Senator Scott, I'm down in your state, Key West. Pretty fantastic down here. Buck and I both spend a lot of time in the state of Florida. So we thank you on some level for repping us as well as many people that are listening across the state of Florida right now. But I got to ask you right off the top. Mitch McConnell said yesterday the top priority for Republicans in his mind is giving $45 billion to Ukraine. I don't know any Republican whose top priority right now in the country is Ukraine. Do you? No. The top priority ought to be taking care of American citizens. we got to get inflation under control. we got to get rid of this debt. Uh, we've got to make sure we have a, a lethal military. We've got to make sure get crime down. I mean, those are the things that people care about. I mean, look, I, I support making sure that we can help, we can help uh, Ukraine be able to defeat Russia uh, with lethal weapons. But it's not the most important thing uh, we should be doing. Uh, and, and by the way, it's, it's, it's a lot of money. And we, and we, if this bill, we got this bill one thirty yesterday morning. It's three times the size of the Bible. One, they want to vote on it today. No one, there will not be one person that votes for this bill that will know what's in it. There's no way. You can't read the Bible that fast. It's three times the size of the Bible. No, it's a perfect example. It, we do know there's a lot of bad things in it. So this is what's so crazy to me. You come from the world of business. And a big part of being successful in business is negotiation, and a big part of success with negotiation is leverage. Tell me what I'm missing here when the Republicans are going to take the House in a couple of weeks. I know you're close in the Senate at 5149, or however you want to classify it, depending on how you define cinema and when Manchin decides to make a switch, potentially. But why in the world would you agree to this bill right before the House comes into the hands of the Republicans. What am I missing from a negotiation strategy here? How would it not be much better for Republicans to control one half of Congress and negotiate something new next year? Well, I ran against Mitch McConnell to be the leader of the Republican uh, Republican Senate for this reason. 
quit giving given to the uh, caving into the Democrats. Why wouldn't we want um, the, the leadership in the Republican House negotiate this bill? Yeah. We consider this is a Democrat bill. This is a Pelosi Schumer bill. That's what this is. It's not a Kevin McCarthy bill. I mean, he didn't have any control over it. He's not going to vote for it. He doesn't want us to do this. So 7,500 earmarks, another $1.1 trillion wins for Pelosi and Schumer. That's who it's wins for. Not for the American so public. Why in the world is this happening? You, I, I presume, based on all the coverage I'm seeing, barring something crazy, a lot of senators are going to go along, Republican senators, with Mitch McConnell. This is going to pass. They're going to ram it through the House with a Democrat majority. Why in the world is this being so rushed and are Republicans so eager, so many of them, to sign on here in your mind? Because here, because it's right before Christmas. we got to get home. You know, there's a storm coming in the Midwest. we got to get out of here. Don't worry about voting. Don't worry about reading things. This is all orchestrated. Uh, this has been orchestrated since I've been up here. been up here four years. Republicans did it. Democrats are doing it. They organized this right before Christmas. And by the way, if you don't go along... You know, you must, you know, you're going to make us all stay up here up through Christmas. It's really bad. And by the way, government will get shut down right at Christmas. No, it doesn't have to get shut down. This is all orchestrated. We should not be doing bills we've never read. This should not be. This was negotiated by three people, right? Um, I mean, not even not even House Republicans were part of the negotiation uh, in this. So this is this is all orchestrated. Um, when McConnell, you know, was the majority leader, he did the same thing. And they and they try to cram it down our throats, and if because if you don't go along, boy, you're you're you know you're shutting down government. No, all you can do is do a continued resolution. This should have happened. This is this is a budget. It's not a, it's not the way you would do a budget, but this is their budget. All right, this should have been done before September 30th when the fiscal year started. We're in a continued resolution, which is stupid. I mean, it's saying, oh, we're going to just spend what we spent last year on programs. Maybe we don't don't even want to keep funding them. Um, but why wouldn't we do a continuing resolution until we get a new Republican House and let them pass whatever spending bill we need? No doubt. And Senator Scott, what would you say? Because I think there's a huge majority of my audience and Buck's audience out there listening right now that is fed up uh, with the re- basically the representation that they're getting from the Republican Party right now. Coming right out of a midterm uh, where obviously things didn't go as well as we wanted, but at least we won the House. Do we have two political parties here right now when we've got an acquiescence essentially to a 1.7 trillion dollar budget what would you say to people out there who are listening right now that are fed up with basically what they see in terms of republican opposition against this biden administration well we've got a republican party out out outside dc we need to have a republican party in dc we need to have people when they get up here do what they said they were going to do when they run how many people go home and said hey look Elect me because I'm going to vote for things I've never read before. Nobody right. does that. I'm going to vote for things that's going to raise another debt by $1.1 trillion. No, I'm going, to, I'm going to cause more inflation. No. So what you have to <clears throat> sorry, what you have to do as, as a voter, hold people accountable. If I do, you know, I tell people, this is what I believe in. So if you voted for me, this is what I plan on doing. And if I don't do it, you should call and yell at me. So we've got to hold people accountable. So this passes, in your mind, I'm assuming, and then basically when is the next time that Republicans have any kind of impact on the budget in any kind of substantial way? We're basically punting for a year, right? Oh, no, they'll do it next year. They'll, they'll, here's, here's a conversation. Oh, we're not going to ever do this again. This has got to stop. 
And guess what? Next December, we'll be doing it again. I mean, there's nobody. I mean, what's the pressure point? It works. Schumer's getting what he wants. I mean, Schumer and Pelosi won with this. We didn't win. They won. All right. So there was, there's no pressure point to do this. I mean, the next the next big fight's going to be when we raise the debt ceiling. And here's what they're going to say to us. Oh, you have to raise the debt ceiling. No, let's stop spending money and balance our budget and start paying down debt so we don't ever have to raise the debt ceiling. I did it when I was governor. I balanced the budget every year. Right? I actually paid off a third of the state debt. They hadn't done that. They not paid off any debt in 20 years when I became governor. You can do these things. we got to just start doing it. Amen. Uh, Florida Senator Rick Scott, Merry Christmas. Uh, appreciate you joining us. I'll continue to unpack this budget when we come back. 800-282-2882 is the phone number if you want to weigh in and join us and voice your displeasure with Mitch McConnell, maybe the worst Senate majority leader in many of our lifetimes, selling out Clay Travis and Buck Sexton on the front lines. Of- I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. The stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. A couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on. But we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty show to start listening hey i'm jay shetty and i'm the host of the on purpose podcast on purpose is dedicated to helping you be happier healthier and more healed this week i talked to orlando bloom in a rare interview where we went deep into how he got comfortable with fear navigating the changes in relationships and how to change the guilt and shame thought pattern This conversation shows a never-seen-before side to Orlando Bloom and his unique life journey. I think we all struggle sometimes to really deeply believe that we are enough, that we're valued, that we're valuable. You know, we're imprinted by our parents from the age of zero to seven, right? Mm. I'm constantly trying to go like, how do I detach from my, this idea of what, is that, is that my baggage? I look like my baggage. I mean, I know, okay, that's mine. Let's unpack that. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's, Rappaport's Reality, Reality Podcast. Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're talking tea, we're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Here are some examples of what you'll hear from us on Rappaport's Reality Podcast. This is where we discuss all things reality TV, all things popular culture. And a little bit of... Rappaport's reality, the reality of bit. us. We're a figuring out. And if we had been recording these last four or five days, Ooh. it, it would have been, Ooh, a, been the podcast would have taken a, a, a left turn. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. Welcome back in. Play Travis Buck Sexton Show. I understand. So we just were talking with Senator Rick Scott of Florida. He's not going to vote in favor of this bill. Why in the world is any Republican in the United States Senate voting in favor of this bill? 
This is a big deal. There's now reports out there, checking the news, that this 4,100-plus page bill, which you heard Rick Scott say, no one is actually read, that it's going to pass now at 5 a.m., potentially, in the morning. While most of America is still sleeping, they released this bill after midnight. And I just want to run through some of the things that are in this bill. And I want to give credit to Dan Bishop's office for collating a lot of this. You can go follow Dan Bishop at at Rep Dan Bishop on Twitter. Democrats are going to spend. I'm going to hit several of these details for you because I think it's going to make you angrier and angrier. And when I say Democrats are going to spend, I mean Democrats with the support of many of the Republicans that you voted for are going to spend $410 million in this budget on border security for Jordan, Lebanon, Lebanon, Lebanon is a town in Tennessee, my apologies. Lebanon, Egypt, Tunisia, and Amman not doing anything at our own southern border. They're going to spend, as I said earlier, $100 billion total, $45 billion more. This is crazy talk for Ukraine. How did we get to a place where a party that is supposedly the opposition is in reality endorsing wildly outlandish spending plans. I'm going to hit you with some of these details. You can go find these yourself. This new bill that Republicans are supporting expressly prohibits us from spending any money to improve border security. This is pretty crazy. It gives $1.438 billion to the United Nations. There is a ton of giveaways, including $65 million to uh, study the restore the Pacific salmon population. $3 million. Be friendly highways. Uh, how about sixty-five point seven million for the international fisheries commissions? Five hundred and seventy-five million dollars for family planning in areas where population growth threatens biodiversity. You're going to try to just encourage people not to have kids so that they don't harm the environment to the tune of $575 million. We're going to give $65 million to name a federal building after Nancy Pelosi and two programs for Senator Pat Leahy. $3.6 million for a Michelle Obama trail. $3 million. Why are we giving taxpayer dollars for an LBGTQ museum in New York City? $4 million for career programs in Fairfax County. They're also going to create a Ukrainian independence park in Washington, D.C. So we're tearing down American history on a regular basis. 
but we're building a park in honor of Ukrainian independence in Washington, D.C. 524 million dollars for diversity and inclusion and structural racism focused in NIH subdivision. I don't know about you, but given the fact that our taxpayer dollars have already probably aided and abetted the COVID virus being created in a Chinese lab, why in the world are we giving more money to the NIH? Why are we giving more money to the uh, support of the FBI, given all of the revelations that are coming out associated with the FBI's behavior on Twitter alone. $200 million for a gender equity fund? I mean, I just looked through this. $335 million to prepare for a flu pandemic. We're giving more money to the Department of Justice to prosecute all of these Jan 6 prisoners that have been in solitary confinement, many of them, for years. $535 million to the Corporation for Public Broadcasting, which also funds NPR. Why are we funding funding the uh, PBS and NPR at all anymore? Honest question. Is there anybody out there who's like, hey, you know what? We've got too few entertainment options. What benefit are we getting for all this money? Why would we be giving any money at all to NPR? Why does PBS need to exist anymore? Honest question. Is there anybody who can't access every possible show under the sun? It feels like already. I understand we needed maybe PBS back when there were four channels and there wasn't that much public interest programming. Is there an absence of radio and audio podcast opportunities that we need to be providing funding to NPR, which, by the way, hates the politics of everyone listening to this program? We don't get tax dollars. We're not funded by the United States government. We're a business. We have to make our own money, like all of you who work at businesses. $11.3 billion for the FBI. $2.63 billion for U.S. attorneys with an emphasis in the bill on prosecuting January 6th defendants, all with substantial increases. If you are a Republican, why in the world would you support this? Why does the House of Representatives have an Office of Diversity and Inclusion in the first place? Secondly, how do they get $26 million for that office? $26 million? Why does the House of Representatives even have an Office of Diversity and Inclusion? Why is that necessary? We've got 435 House of Representatives members. What in the world do we need to be spending $26 million on that? $286 million Title X funding for Planned Parenthood. I mean, I am just sketching through here and looking at all of this, and I give credit 
for Representative Dan Bishop and his staff. He represents the 9th District of North Carolina. His team is actually reading through this 4,155-page bill. I mean, this is all crazy. And I would encourage all of you to go follow this. And my question that I would ask is, why? Why are Republicans allowing this to be rushed through? The EPA is going to get 10.1, I'm I'm still reading this, $10.1 billion, an increase of nearly $600 million above what they got last year, and $108 million of that is for environmental justice activities. So all of this, they're building a brand new FBI headquarters, $375 million it's going to cost. I I just, I'm, I'm reading all of this, and I am thoroughly and completely disgusted that we have such piss poor representation in Congress that they would be rushing all of this through I'm laughing right now because Rand Paul said the government spent $118,000 to study if a medical replica of Marvel. I can't even believe that this stuff is real, some of it. To see whether Thanos could snap his fingers. They apparently hired some dude to wear metal gloves and snap his fingers. $100,000. All of this is madness. And if you're out there and you're listening to me and you're thinking, how in the world did we get here? We don't have an opposition party. Because if we did, basic negotiation would suggest, hey, we're about, the Republican Party is, to have half of Congress next month. Let's wait and get a better deal then. The reason I understand why Democrats want to rush through this bill, why they want to pass this at 5 a.m., I don't understand why Republicans are so eager to spend $1.7 trillion to add a massive amount to our national debt in a time of 40-year high inflation and to further provide the Democrats with exactly what they want. If you're negotiating and the party that you're negotiating with rushes to get a deal done, it's probably a sign that you struck a really bad deal. Do you trust Mitch McConnell as a really savvy negotiator, given how many times he's gotten completely spun around and used, frankly, by Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer? Because I don't. That's what's happening. Everybody bending over backwards to make Democrats happy just in time for the holiday rush. It's pathetic. Take some of your calls when we come back. I want to tell you in the meantime, rising inflation, volatile stock market, wreaking havoc on retirement accounts, as many of you guys all know. Until economic uncertainty turns around, Phoenix Capital Group suggests you diversify your investments. They're introducing investors to high-value oil and gas investments here in the U.S. with current yields, which range from 8% to 11% APY, paid monthly, 
These are corporate bond offerings, and they're open to all investors with annual interest paid monthly. Phoenix Capital Group offers live webinars to learn about Phoenix's business structure, ways they offer security for their offerings, risks, and their financials. They host live Q&As where they'll answer all your questions. You can sign up at investingwithphoenix.com. That's investingwithphx.com. You can also call 323-PHOENIX. Investments in bonds have a certain risk. Before making investment decisions, you should carefully consider and review all risks involved. Sign up today at investingwithphx.com. That's investingwithphx.com. Or you can call 323-PHOENIX to connect. That's 323-PHOENIX. Geek out with the guys on the Sunday Hang with Clay and Buck podcast. A new episode every Sunday. Find it on the iHeart app or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back in. Hour number two, Clay Travis, Buck Sexton Show. Buck out for the rest of the year. I will be with you today, tomorrow, and Friday. I'm coming to you from lovely Key West, Florida. We're about to be joined by Mark Morgan. He's the former acting commissioner of Customs and Border Protection. On Title 42, we will discuss what that all means as Title 42 is future, basically being determined by the courts right now. But I want to tell you, owners of small businesses are benefiting from a little-known IRS tax refund program. If you own a small business, has five or more employees, managed to make it through COVID, you could be eligible to receive a payroll tax rebate up to $26,000 per employee. Not a loan, no payback, just a refund of your taxes. How do you get your business this refund money? Go to GetRefunds.com. They're tax attorney specialist. They'll get you hooked up. No upfront money. They share a portion of the proceeds with you. All you have to do is go to GetRefunds.com. Click on Qualify Me. Answer a few questions. They've already returned over a billion dollars to businesses. They can help you as well. Payroll tax refund only available for a limited amount of time. Don't miss out. Go to GetRefunds.com. No risk, high reward, GetRefunds.com. Bring in now Mark Morgan. Appreciate him joining us now to talk about this situation on the border. And I want to start with this, Mark. When you see that we are spending billions of dollars to protect the Ukrainian border, including a total now of $100 billion for Ukraine, what would it cost, in your mind, for the United States' southern border to be as secure as possible? How much would our government have to commit in order to make that possible? Less than that, Clay, I can tell yeah, you. I right figure. now, right, right. And what, and what's also frustrating to, to me, it, right now, in the current version of the omnibus, the spending bill that, that the Senate is trying to push forward, there's actually language in there that actually gives funding. The United States gives funding to other countries to, quote, secure their borders. Yeah. Yet, and there, there, but yet, Representative Bishop, he, he did a, a line item search, and he found out that, that in this current bill, that, that uh, billions of dollars that they're giving to DHS, specifically in the bill says, they're forbidden to use it, quote, for border security. They can only use the money for processing. They finally said out loud and put in black and white what we've been saying for over two, almost two years. They don't care about border security. They don't care about the downstream negative effects to America. All they care about is getting money down there to be, to get better at processing and releasing illegal aliens into the country because at the end of the day, Clay, they see a perceived political benefit from what they're doing. They don't care that they're unsecure on our border. Okay, so uh, a lot of people out there, there's so many different moving parts of yep. uh, ineptitude in the Biden administration right now. Frankly, 
it's kind of hard to keep up with all of it. So you are an expert on this. Title 42 is currently held up at the United States Supreme Court. It's unclear whether it is going to be repealed, cease to exist effectively. What is Title 42 for our audience out there that may not be able to keep on tap of all these details? And what would the uh, what would the immediate impact be of Title 42 effectively ceasing to exist at our border? Yeah, Clay, so those are two very important questions. So what is Title 42? Real quick, look, this, this was a law that was enacted in the 40s, and it's, 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 to, it's a public health order. It's not an immigration tool, and that's very clear. Under the Trump administration, we resurrected that 1940 law that was in place during a global pandemic called COVID-19. And what that allowed immigration law enforcement officials to do is, rather than uh, uh, apprehend and release individuals into the country, to further reduce and introduce the spread of COVID-19 into our country from outside our borders, we use that to actually not allow illegal aliens to come in and remove them back to Mexico. And in my opinion, by doing so, it saved countless American lives. This administration from day one, it's funny, they, they actually accused us, Clay, of using it as an immigration tool, which the, the facts just simply deny that because, and here's one, because we applied it to everybody. If you're, if you say there's a public health crisis, then you should apply it across the board. From day one, this administration started doing political, what I call political carve outs. They stopped applying it to unaccompanied minors. They stopped applying it to families, even though all those individuals can still carry COVID-19. And they are the ones that really use this as an immigration tool. Here's what's going to happen is, it, it, and it, it, real quick, and I know I'm going long here, but this is very important. I'll try to wrap it up. Is that uh, people are saying, oh, once Title 42 ends, oh, it's a crisis. Oh, once Title 42 ends, we're going to see a tsunami of illegal aliens. No, that's a lie. That's false. We're already in the tsunami. We're already in the middle of a crisis. We are right now navigating, we have been for the past two years, the worst unmitigated self-inflicted crisis along our border in our lifetime, and that's been with Title 42 in place for the past two years. Once Title 42 ends, it's just going to take the catastrophic crisis, and believe it or not, it's just going to make it worse. Number of people that are crossing right now compared to what you have seen in your life of knowledge dealing with the border how would you uh, classify it now it, it, it this is another critically important question for comparison and i'll give you an example so secretary jay johnson remember he was the secretary of dhs under then president obama and vice president biden he and i know this because i was chief of the border patrol when he was the secretary he said that a thousand a day is a crisis that a thousand a day is a bad day when, when i was the commissioner under president trump we had that below a thousand a day. Now look, that's still not good. But just as a comparison, we had it below a thousand a day. Right now, it's at over eight thousand per day. That's what we have right now. It's it's un it's unmitigated. It's unsustainable. Every aspect of our resources are overwhelmed. You have many areas on the southwest border where ninety percent nine zero border patrol agents are pulled off the front line, off the national security mission, and they're back in facilities to process the millions of illegal aliens coming through. That literally has operational control over the cartels. And what's happening? They're pushing drugs across criminal aliens and potential national security threats every day, all day long. That's where we're at. That's where we're at right now, and we have been for the past 23 months with Title 42. So the crisis isn't going to be again when it ends. It's just going to make it worse.
Mark Morgan, former acting commissioner of Customs and Border Protection. You mentioned the cartel. We know that there's tons of fentanyl coming across the border that's killing over 100,000 Americans every single year right now. I read, and I believe this is New York Times, so credit to them for actually managing to cover this, that the cartel is making $13 billion, that's billion with a B, $13 billion a year, smuggling people illegally across the border and to put that into context that's more than any american pro sports league makes the nfl the nba major league baseball how powerful is the cartel right now and how much in your experience have they taken over not just drug smuggling but also person smuggling uh people into this country Look, uh, Clay, look, I, I, I'll come back on talk to you anytime because you're, you're very well versed in that. So you, first of all, you're exactly right. 13 billion. And in some cases, that's more, G, more, uh, greater GDP than some countries. And, and I think to put the 13 billion in even more greater context. And that, so that's from 2018, the, just the smuggling, not drugs. As you said, just the smuggling. It went from a $500 million business in 2018 to 13 billion right now. So just yeah, a few crazy. short years. Right. And, and most of that has happened in the past two years. So, so that's and, and we haven't talked about the, the billions they, they, they get from their, their, their drugs. And here's here's the issue is that the cartels, they do it all. Right. So so they're, they're a multi-layered, multifaceted criminal organization. I, I keep saying the cartels are the most powerful criminal organization in the world. So it's, it's, it's not just smuggling, but it's smuggling, it's drugs, it's anything that they can do to make a profit. They don't care about the devastation that causes the individuals involved or this country. And in the past two years. Uh, their bank accounts have grown, but not just their bank accounts. So has their power, influence, and reach. You know, a, a lot of people think of just in Mexico. That's just not true. They're, they're in every state in this country, their, their, their reach uh, uh, goes to, as well as other countries in the Western Hemisphere and beyond. Um, they are a dangerous, ruthless entity that is 100% behind this. And that's why Governor Abbott, I'm, I'm 100% behind him when he declared uh, that, that his state is being invaded. Because what he has done by that, through the constitutional clause, Clay, he has declared war on the cartels, which is exactly what we should be doing. Which is why, for people out there listening who don't live near the border, so many people who do live near the border, even if they were born in Mexico, even if they were born in Latin America, they want border enforcement as well because they are terrified of the cartels and they know better than most the amount of power and violent power that these guys are bringing to bear uh, on the border. We're talking to Mark Morgan, former acting commissioner of Customs and Border Protection. Okay, so the other thing that I think many people are missing is traditionally when we've talked about illegal immigration, it's been people relatively close to our southern border. Now, all over the world, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but it basically has become well known that the United States is essentially letting anybody walk across the border that can get there. And so now we have people from all over the world that are coming to Latin America and trying to cross into the United States. That has accelerated probably to a degree we've never seen before. Again, these aren't just people in geographic proximity necessarily who are coming to our southern border. They're coming from everywhere to walk across our southern border. Clay, you're 100% right, and this is another very important element because 
sometimes people like to do comparison back in the late uh, 90s and 2000 with respect to the numbers. Um, and you can't do that because back in the late 90s and 2000, almost 100% of the illegal aliens we were saying is what you described early on, right? And that there, but there's been a change. Is, and that and those guys, by the way, the, sorry to cut you off, but what would be You're significant right. about that is those guys might travel to the United States to work, but they still kind of thought of themselves as primarily living in Mexico. They might go back and forth across the border as opposed to trying to make their permanent homes. If you're coming from somewhere far around the world, you're not coming here for seasonal work, and you're certainly not returning back across the southern border. That's a seismic change in terms of border security in general, right? Absolutely. Seismic change, that's the right adjective. So again, late 90s, 2000, it was almost 100% Mexican single adults, as you described it, you're spot on. Now, I'll give an example just to foot stomp everything you said. The last two years, uh, uh, CBP has encountered uh, illegal aliens or other, otherwise inadmissible aliens from 160 different countries. One, six, zero. There's only 195 recognized countries in the world. Just, just think about that. Let that soak in for a second. Look, it, it, it's not it's not just the Western Hemisphere. You know, it's not just Mexico, the Northern Triangle countries, or the entire Western Hemisphere. Clay, it, as you said, it's the entire world. In fact, there are many what we call special interest countries. There are many illegal aliens coming from these special interest countries that we're concerned about because we have intelligence that these countries are either connected to or helping finance terrorists or terrorist activities. Uh, and it's happening every single day. We know that last fiscal year alone, that CBP encountered 98 illegal aliens on the ter- FBI's terror screening database. 98 in a 12-month period, that's more than the past five, six, seven years combined. And why Why should that matter to us? Well, Mark, look, they're doing a great job in countering. No, no, because they're pulled off the line because of this administration's open border policies. There's been over 1.2 million gotaways. Over a million gotaways, Clay. So look, it's not hyperbolic to say, for example, look, we could have the next terrorist sleeper cell in the United States planning the next terrorist attack, and we would have no idea. Look, the worst terrorist attack in our lifetime, 9-11, took about a dozen people. The, the, the bombing in, in Boston, Marathon, took two people. I, I mean, this is a real national security threat. All right, so this is all incredibly negative, and we know things are just getting worse with everything that Joe Biden touches. If we were actually committed to border security, how much would it cost? How quickly could this be reversed? So, look, this is very important because we we have to differentiate between resources and policy. Right. This is not this is not a sole resource issue. Now, don't get me wrong. A lot of people. Oh, so, you know, foreign commission, we don't need more resources. No, I'm not saying that. No, we need uh, the, the, the tried, true uh, multi-layer strategy of infrastructure, technology and personnel. Wherever we have that right lay down, every single measure of success goes up. So we need to build more wall. We need to make sure we have increased technology in between at the ports and we need to have the right level of, 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 of personnel. But look. You can have all of that, but as long as you still have the open border policies, illegal aliens are still going to come. Resources are going to be pulled off the line no matter how much you put on there, and our borders are going to be open. So what we need to focus on are policy issues, which costs us zero, Clay, zero, for Congress to step up and finally do what they should should do to protect this America, to, to protect this country. They should pass meaningful legislation to secure a border. We provided them what they need to do and what the legislation they need to pass. That will cost American taxpayers zero. 
reinstate the Remain in Mexico program, uh, reinstate the asylum, uh, uh, safe third country agreements, uh, reinstate ICE's ability to actually do their job to remove criminal illegal aliens that are here. We could go on forever. That's the tip of the iceberg. Good stuff, uh, Mark Morgan. Hopefully you'll be uh, working with people to actually do all those things at some point in the near future. Although when you see Republicans rushing to spend $1.7 trillion, you do wonder whether they'll actually do what they promised to do, uh, even if we vote for them. Appreciate the time, my man. You bet. Thanks, Clay. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas to you as well. That's Mark Morgan, former Acting Commissioner of Customs and Border Protection. Lots of great details for all of you to contemplate there. When we come back, I'm going to open up the phone lines, 800-282-2882. Load them up. Uh, also, top of the next hour, some of you may have heard me talk about how much interesting in, how much interest I have in this quadruple murder at Idaho, the University of Idaho. Uh, we're going to have an expert come on, Joseph Scott Morgan, forensics as- expert, to talk about that particular case. I can't wait. I- I'm eager to discuss with him. Just giving you a heads up what's coming in the third hour. Uh, in the meantime, want to give yourself a gift that will benefit you all year round. Not only comfortable, but also luxurious. How about an X chair? It's basically the best chair out there on the planet. I've written my entire most recent book, first draft of it anyway, all sitting in an X chair. It's the best investment you can make if you're trying to get a brand new home office set up. Maybe you're just going back into your old office and you want to be more efficient. You want to feel better when you stand up at the end of a long work day. Want your back to be supporting. You can get heat. You can get massage. You can get cold. Whatever you need, there's an X chair for you. And here's how you get hooked up with a phenomenal offer $20 a month for less than a dollar a day, you can get hooked up at xchairclay.com. That's the letter X, chairclay.com. Go to xchairclay, uh, xchairclay.com right now. That's the letter X, chairclay.com. Go today. The torch of truth, past and still lit every day. The Clay, Travis, and Buck Sexton Show. I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. The stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. A couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on. But we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong. Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose podcast. On Purpose is dedicated to helping you be happier, healthier, and more healed. This week, I talked to Orlando Bloom in a rare interview where we went deep into how he got comfortable with fear, navigating the changes in relationships, and how to change the guilt and shame thought pattern. This conversation shows a never-seen-before side to Orlando Bloom and his unique life journey. I think we all struggle sometimes to really deeply believe that we are enough, that we're valued, that we're valuable. You know, we're imprinted by our parents from the age of zero to seven, right? Mm. I'm constantly trying to go like, how do I detach from my, this idea of what, do, is, that, is that my baggage? I look like my baggage. I mean, I know, oh, okay, that's mine. Let's unpack that. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's Rappaport's Reality Reality Podcast. 
We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're talking tea, we're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Here are some examples of what you'll hear from us on Rappaport's reality podcast. This is where we discuss all things reality TV, all things popular culture. And a little bit of... Rappaport's reality, the reality of bit. us. We're a figuring out. And if we had been recording these last four or five days, Ooh. it, it would have been, Ooh, a, been the podcast would have taken a, a, a left turn. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. Welcome back in, Clay Travis, Buck Sexton Show, final hour of the Wednesday edition of the program. I'm down in Key West, Florida. We'll be with you Thursday and Friday. Buck is out for the holiday. We'll be back after the first of the year. Um, We've been talking a lot about this $1.7 trillion omnibus bill. Great guest in the first couple of hours, including Senator Rick Scott of Florida. And then we talked about the border disaster with Mark Morgan. Uh, former acting commissioner of Customs and Border with Trump. Encourage you to go download the first and second hour of the program. If we could, I'm going to clear out all of the phone calls right now because I bet many of you are going to want to react to the conversation that we are about to have. And that conversation is about something that I frankly have been obsessed with, uh, and I know many of you have as well. It is the quadruple murder, still unsolved, now into, I believe, a sixth week since this happened at the University of Idaho. Uh, We are joined now by Joseph Scott Morgan, distinguished scholar of applied forensics in Jacksonville, Alabama, former senior investigator with the Fulton County Medical Examiner's Office in Atlanta, host of the Body Bags podcast on iHeart going to ask you to do is if you are hearing questions uh, that come to mind as we are having this conversation, I'm going to try to monitor Twitter. So if you can tweet me at Clay Travis, if you do not hear me asking questions that you find to be particularly unique or useful here, uh, send me questions and I will ask a few of those as well. Again, at Clay Travis right now on Twitter, we bring in Joseph Scott Morgan uh, okay, you uh, were at Fulton County uh, Medical Examiner Office. Uh, I want to ask you this question just to start. We know that someone walked into this home with armed, it appears, only with a knife, stabbed four people to death, walked back out of that home. We don't know where the weapon is. We don't know who did it. Have you ever seen a case like this in your life as a forensic investigator? No, I haven't, Clay, and thanks for having me today. Um, I've worked, before I was in Atlanta, I was with the Jefferson Parish Coroner's Office in New Orleans, so I've worked in two pretty good Big cities. I mean, Atlanta area. and New Orleans, yeah, yeah, yeah. Not, not cities where murder is uncommon. The reason why I'm starting yeah. with that question yeah. is... Yeah. To walk in armed only with a knife, I just want to kind of start here because I was having this yeah. conversation with uh, with my wife uh, last night because she's also been following this case. To yeah. me, what stands out about that decision is this is someone 
first of all, that walking into a strange person's house is something that most people wouldn't do, right? But to do it to me, the more I think about this, armed only with a knife, when you know there are multiple people inside of that home, it seems like someone who is very comfortable with what they can do with that knife. And that's why I wanted to start with that question, because the even the method, quadruple murders aren't common, thankfully, that often in general. But quadruple stabbings of what appears to be totally innocent college kids, there's almost no precedent for stories like these. No, there's not. And, you know, you can search as much as you want. You're not going to find quadruple stabbings most of the time, particularly as they're isolated in one location, one structure like this, essentially in two different bedrooms, obviously on separate floors. But, you know, the supposition that that the that's being put forward that this perpetrator is a stranger, perhaps. And I know that, you know, it makes for uh, it's titillating to hear that because people think about some stranger coming out of the dark. I'm not buying into that. I think that more than likely this individual, obviously, as you stated, knew who was living there and probably knew of the structure. They may have been inside of this dwelling. It's an odd dwelling, uh, Clay, to say the very least. It's, you know, it's multiple floors, three floors, two entrances, and both entrances, one is on the lower ground level where the parking pad is, and then you go up to the second story and there's another external ground level entry. And then it's got this kind of switchback staircase. And that, and the house has been added onto over the recent uh, you know recent years so it's it's an oddly shaped environment it's something in my opinion at least the individual would have had to been familiar with and keep in mind one thing that keeps being pushed forward over and over and over and over again is that this location was a gathering spot for college students off campus it was it, it has been termed as a party house so when you hear all of that uh the other thing here is this doesn't feel like a random act of violence. It feels like this was targeted in some way. Uh, most people who, again, walking in with just a knife and then being the, committing the murder of four people, walking out with that knife. We talked with Nancy Grace a few weeks ago, and she said usually this is a violent act. There's DNA left behind uh, because a lot of times with a knife you might end up cutting yourself. We haven't heard anything uh, about any blood that might belong to someone, potentially a killer in this scenario. Does that suggest to you that this was not the first time that someone may have engaged in violent behavior like this? And, and, and also in your experience, does it happen very often that somebody suddenly snaps and commits a violent act like this? Or are there typically many other violent acts that would have occurred before someone engages in behavior like this? Yeah, I think that they have a mindset toward violence. It's something that they would be very comfortable with in this environment. And who knows what the rationale was for this. If they were, you know, focused in on these individuals to the point where they were so obsessed that the gore didn't bother them. And, and trust me, it trust me in this situation, considering that these two pair of individuals, these, these victims, they're co-sleeping. So this, these attacks, if we are to believe what we're hearing at this point, would have taken place in individual beds. So you have two people sleeping in one bed. The perpetrator would have been covered in, in blood. So, And they're leaving behind all kinds of trace evidence, but it's not surprising we don't know that yet. This is very, from a, a forensic science standpoint, uh, from a trace evidence standpoint, 
this is very, very dense material. This is not something that can essentially be turned around in a couple of days and you're going to have, uh, you know, evidence that's just going to say, hey, here's, here's the perpetrator. The reality is this, if it is commingled, and I'm talking about the blood samples, and yeah, we could, in, we could have an unknown that could be tied back to a perpetrator. All of this is going to have to be unspooled in order to create a profile, a biological profile on the individual. And this takes time, not to mention everybody else that's passed through this house that's left behind things like touch DNA. I mean, all of us that have been college students in an undergraduate situation have been to an off-campus location for, for parties and whatnot. Lots of DNA is left behind in those environments. So they're having to make their way through all of this at the laboratory, given everything that has come back from the scene based on your experience as you said in new orleans and atlanta um and we're talking to joseph scott morgan who has body bags a iheart podcast uh, that you guys can all go check out would it stun you if the killer didn't leave behind some dna evidence no i, I think that it would be impossible for them not to particularly and let me give you the measure of that, Clay. As we're talking about in current context, years ago, I would say, yeah, it's possible that they might not have been able to pick up on stuff. But the tests that are being run nowadays are so very sensitive. And when I say touch DNA, I'm talking about things like sloughing dead skin cells. Those things, those little particular uh, things that are left behind in a space. And keep in mind, this attack is very, very intimate. This, you know, you think about a multiple shooting case where you have some distance between the target and the perpetrator. That's not what happened. You have an individual that probably crawled into the bed with these individuals. There's a lot of touching that's going on, and plus the driving of this knife into these bodies. This is a very intimate circumstance. So even if the individual did not cut themselves, there's a high probability that they left some trace evidence behind. And keep in mind this, this is fascinating to me. When somebody engages in this kind of heinous act, this is butchery. By the time they get to the fourth person, the fourth victim, they're going to be profusely sweating. Uh, this will completely lead to exhaustion. It would not surprise me uh, to learn that the individual had actually left behind droplets of sweat on the last victim. Their adrenaline is going to be pumping. Uh, they'll be at such a, a level uh, of excitement and in this, just trying to keep themselves going. There's going to be elements left behind that can be traced back to a perpetrator, I think. When you hear all this and, and, and talking about being able to stab four people to death, including one basically grown man, does that suggest to you that this is a big, strong man, that it would be unlikely that, generally speaking, a woman would be capable of executing these crimes? And the other part of this is they all died. Um, in most stabbings, and again, I'm not an expert on stabbing, but it seems like there are a lot of people who survive because it's hard to know exactly where the stabs are going. Does that make sense? Does this suggest to yeah, you that yeah. this person, given the fact that they walked in with a knife, had a lot of experience with stabbing potentially, which is rare, right? Even people out there listening to us right now who might sometimes have a knife with them for protection, most people have never actually practiced. I think Buck said in special uh, when the CIA, they had some you know limited training but most people haven't actually practiced ever stabbing someone. What does that suggest to you that all four of these people were killed? And again, that it was four different people and only armed theoretically with a knife 
to your point about the difference between a, a gun and a knife, I mean, going after four people with only a knife, I would think a lot of people, even if they had violent intentions, would not be comfortable doing that unless they had been trained. Yeah, and that 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 is key here. And remember, the coroner stated in one interview that she did give that the injuries, the injuries, the fatal injuries were limited to the chest. She had talked about that specifically. I'm not talking about what the parents have said or anything. I'm talking about the interview that the coroner gave. And she said that there was at least one fatal wound to the chest area on these victims. Now, there were some defensive wounds. That gives me an idea that they hung around until they knew that each individual was finished off. They were purposed. They were purposed in this clay in order to make sure that no one survived, no one was going to be able to identify them. I think the one big ask that people have here, and you know, they're kind of scratching their heads, is that in the lower portion of this home, there were two people that were left alive in a separate yes. living area in their own bedrooms. And so I think that that, again, is something, and I've toyed with the idea, was this person actually hiding in the home when both of these parties arrived later in the evening? Uh, I want to come back because I'm getting so many questions out there. I'll, I'll, do you have time to, to stay with us and, and allow me to read some of these questions that I'm getting during the commercial break and bring you in to answer some of them? Sure, Clay, as long as you need. Okay, uh, so uh, Joseph Scott Morgan, formerly of forensics in both New Orleans and Atlanta, is going to stay with us. Hit me with your questions during this commercial break. I will bring those questions uh, that some of you may have back. You can also load up the phone lines, 800 282 2882 and i will make sure that we get as much information here because i know many of you based on prior conversations buck and i have had have many questions about this case as well in the meantime our friends at hillsdale college have certainly found the holiday spirit they wish you and yours a happy blessed christmas and a healthy and prosperous new year they also want to pass along their sincere thanks to you for your kindness toward the college since hillsdale's finding an 18 founding in 1844 it's taught its students by precept and example, the teachings and practices of the Christian faith. The college continues this mission in its classrooms and nationwide through its educational outreach efforts. They've prepared a special video featuring their sacred music choir singing O Little Town of Bethlehem in their Christ Chapel at the heart of the campus. When you visit hillsdale.edu slash Christmas, you can see and hear the choir and view many other free resources to help you celebrate the season. It'll be uplifting and inspiring. The website, again, hillsdale.edu slash Christmas. Speaking truth and having fun. Clay Travis and Buck Sexton. More Than a Movie is back with season two. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to more than a movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's, Rappaport's Reality, Reality Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast.
I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. The stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. Couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on. But we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening.